If you look at Elon Musk and what he's done with the Starlink satellite system, he is giving Ukraine basically the internet. Starlink was just an idea like five, seven years ago, and now they're having seamless internet access during a war. So it gives you an idea of how that kind of technology can help the rest of the world if it's in not as fortunate countries that have what we have in the United States. So I think that's a great game changer that we're going to continue to see. Welcome to Looking Forward, where we speak with experts about marketplace and societal trends, and most importantly, how they might affect you. I'm Jeff Ostroff, the host of Looking Forward. If you're like me, you're fascinated by trends in the future. In fact, several years ago, that was one of the things I focused on in a book I wrote. Hello, Looking Forward listener. That was James Quinn. Let's just refer to him as Jim. Speaking of something I honestly had no clue about. No, not Elon Musk. I think almost everybody's heard of him these days. But of Starlink technology and how it's being used in Ukraine today to help with internet access and communications. In today's episode of Looking Forward, episode number 97, Jim is going to speak about a lot of these relatively new or futuristic technologies. And let's face it, technology is responsible for so many dramatic changes to our lives in recent decades. Jim believes the future will unleash even more of these technologies. But let me not spoil Jim's thunder here except to say, whether you are a techie or not, and I must confess, I'm no techie, You'll enjoy hearing what he has to say about technology's impact on such diverse areas as transportation, commercial real estate, office work, and the environment. In fact, you'll even learn about digital twins. Wow, I'm a proud father of twins, but I had no idea there were digital ones, too. In part two, which will air next week, Jim Quinn will continue his gaze into the future and share more of the fascinating technology innovations he sees. Among other things, in true looking forward fashion, he'll identify some specific opportunities that advances in technology will offer to job and career seekers, entrepreneurs, businesses, freelancers, and others. Now let me tell you just a little bit about our guest expert, Jim Quinn. Based in New York, Jim is Executive Managing Director of Jones Lang LaSalle Incorporated, known simply as JLL, which is a global commercial real estate services company. At JLL, Jim leads a group of technology and real estate professionals that provide advisory services to Fortune 500 companies and leading technology firms. Jim has completed an excess of 35 million square feet of global real estate projects. He's also been very passionate throughout his career on the impact of technology in business and the real world. Jim is the author of the recently released book, Tech Trends 24-7 and the Impact of COVID-19. He says that during this decade, we will experience the greatest change in technology innovation in history, and that will have a riveting effect on our everyday personal and business lives. To learn more about the book, Tech Trends 24-7 and Beacon of Hope, the charity that Jim started with a mission to leverage technology to help people in need, please visit the podcast page at www.jeff-ostroff.com. 
Well, hi, Jim. Welcome to Looking Forward. Thank you for having me. It's great to be here. Well, I'm excited to have you on because I can't think of many things that would be more significant in our lives than technology. And I've got an expert on this show who's talking about technology. So thanks for being on, Jim. Pleasure. Jim, you're an expert on how key technology innovations have an impact on people, on communities, on the workplace. Can you please share with our listeners, when did you first become interested in this? Was this something that you were tinkering around with when you were four years old? Or is it later on you got interested? I think it's a great question. It started in college when I really started seeing some really interesting corporations do a lot of great things with technology. And then when I started my career in real estate, I just accidentally came upon an area that was outside of traditional real estate. I still do traditional real estate, but it was really all of kind of building the internet nationally and globally by all switching requirements throughout the United States and globally. So when I saw a completely different area of technology and how impactful it was, so I've always been curious in technology and it's kind of been a forefront of kind of my business practice. Excellent. You said something there that's a perfect segue to my next question, Jim. You started out in real estate. And by the way, recently I had another guest expert on who was in real estate, residential real estate. You're a senior executive at JLL. And I'm wondering if you can talk a little bit about them because you're taking real estate and blending it with technology. So tell us just briefly what JLL does. Sure. JLL is a Fortune 500 company. It is a global platform. We have offices practically in every market throughout the world. Wow. Yeah, and it's really a lot of um, subject matter experts in there. If it's Paris or London or Singapore or Chicago, in all critical areas. So I think that if what we do or what I specialize in is really looking at digital transformation of traditional real estate portfolios. And now equally important is technology portfolios. Because when you think about a corporation, they'll spend on their offices, but they're also spending tremendous amounts of money on their technology. And what are the best ways really to do that in the traditional portfolio, as well as the technology side of the portfolio? So, Jim, what we're talking about here then, just to clarify, with real estate, we're talking more here about business, commercial real estate, maybe industrial. This is not residential, correct? Correct. Yes, strictly commercial. Yeah, so corporations, all their offices globally, all their technology sites at their own data centers, co-location commitments, which really a corporation, they, they need places to put their servers. So they'll sign leases for that. So co-location, own data centers, and also, you know, in terms of how do they connect, what's the fabric of their network? What are the connection points of their network? We help corporations with that as well. Boy, this is so behind the scenes back office. It's stuff that I would never even think about. And there's a whole world going on out there with people like you who are doing this stuff. I'm just thinking of real estate as buildings and houses. And here you are doing all this other stuff. It's really interesting. Now, you probably know, Jim, that here on Looking Forward, we focus on trends. And in order to do that, we first look backwards before we get into looking forward, right? So 
I would like you to speak a little bit about over the last two to three decades, if you want to go back further, Jim, that's fine. What have been in your mind some of the milestone or major developments or innovations in technology that have had a dramatic impact on our lives as individuals, on our lives, perhaps working in the business world? Sure. There are a lot of areas to cover there, but I'll, yes. I'll take it. And it's interesting. I think you're spot on in terms of your the way you laid that out, because I look at your question is like, what is the definition of technology innovation? And my definition is like, you're always analyzing your base, like what it is today, and then where you see the impact of technology going forward. And that's really truly innovation. So I think that probably one of the biggest advances is in terms of really looking at the ability for compute, right? How it's really grown exponentially. So with that, and like, for example, we're going to talk about a little bit about artificial intelligence, is that since computing has gotten really more robust, artificial intelligence can play into a lot of different things that we do. So I don't want to break it down by, you know, kind of decade, but that was a critical kind of breakthrough of now you're really seeing technology make a a huge difference. And I'll I'll give you an example of that. Yes. You could take the pandemic as one. If the pandemic happened in the 70s, our economy would have been really challenged. We would have had a really difficult time because, frankly, there wasn't the technology, even in the 80s, to work from home. So instead of a lot of people missing the beat and, you know, our practice, the first week was choppy, but then we got, you know, we were really good after that. It was business as usual and we were being very effective. You didn't have the technology makeup to do that in the 70s and the 80s and the 90s. So that's one good example. Another good example in terms of, for example, of how increased computers help and also leverage artificial intelligence. Company you're probably are familiar with, NVIDIA. I would recommend you want to be a student of technology, become a student of NVIDIA. Give you one example. So they have one program, it's called Maxine. And what it is, it's a real video communications with artificial intelligence. So what they're doing, and like we work at a global, you know, JLL is a global corporation. If there's somebody in, say, Shanghai, you know, I don't speak Mandarin, they will have a translation service within the AI that it's like you can have a real conversation and they already translate for you. So that's just new and they're perfecting it as we speak, but that's because of advanced computing. Okay. Could you spell that company in case anybody wants to look it up, please? Sure. It's NVIDIA. It's N-V-I-D-I-A. They're out of California. They're ones that are building these tremendous chips that is really the chassis of kind of its technology engine. And they're doing a lot of like great things. One of the things they're doing also, you know, another area is you have a physical, like if you have an office building, it's built, you'll have a digital model. With their compute, they help build the digital model because you want to see in terms of building operations, security, everything, how it really models in the digital, which it helps you improve in the physical. So they're at the forefront of the digital twin. They've also, it's very public that they are helping BMW revolutionize 
all of their distribution sites by using digital twin technology to improve their efficiency of all their plants globally. Wow. Yeah, this is stuff that's really cutting edge. I wasn't familiar with it at all. I wanted to ask you, your company, JLL, operates globally. We have many listeners who don't live in the United States or even North America. When you talk about these innovations in technology, Jim, has the pace been similar in other places around the world? I know, for example, I had a great guest on a while back who talked about Estonia and the tremendous things that they have done that made them COVID ready. They would have been ready years ago. If you were to compare the United States with the rest of the world, where's the rest of the world? And I know there's a big rest of the world. Can you just talk a little bit about that and maybe give some example? Yeah, I think one specific area would be sustainability. So sustainability, it went from, you know, five or 10 years ago. Well, if you could talk about it and maybe if you could find some funds to work on it, it'd be great. Now it's like anybody who's a sustainability executive is tied into the C-suite of global corporations. And that's not in the U.S., it's in Asia Pacific, it's in Europe, it's in the United States, it's in South America, because everybody really is emboldened in terms of how we can improve our planet. And the technology that is really helping with that is being deployed all throughout the world. So, for example, there's some European cities that could be ahead of some of cities in the United States. So one of the things that we looked at is that sustainability globally I actually, at the time I interviewed the head of sustainability for EMEA, for JLL, and she said that, you know, she was in a good place because all the innovations that she's seeing in EMEA, some are more advanced than the United States and vice versa. And she's taking it from really both cabs to really try to make a difference. Where is EMEA, Jim? So EMEA is all of Europe. It's another way of saying Europe. So it's all throughout the UK. Paris, France, it's all the European countries. Okay. Are there any other examples you might be able to give of the transformation that has occurred in other parts of the world in technology that might be different or better than ours, where they may even be ahead of us? Yeah, I think that sustainability was one where I think there's some equal footing globally. In terms of uh, Digital twin, that's something whereby I think global corporations are looking at it, but there's been a lot of innovation in the United States. I I really can't point right now to a particular area where some countries are ahead of the other. Is this, Jim, a situation where, as we often hear about the internet and accessibility to the internet and maybe even mobile phones, that there are a number of countries who are falling behind or who are behind? This is not a global phenomenon, or do you see there being an effort to equalize or to move closer to where most of the leaders are? What do you see? Well, I think that obviously there are some countries that are behind. Obviously, the war in Ukraine is very difficult. It's a very challenging area. But if you look at Elon Musk and what he's done with the Starlink satellite system, he is giving Ukraine basically the internet. Starlink was just an idea like five, seven years ago, and now they're having seamless internet access during a war. So it gives you an idea of how that kind of technology can help the rest of the world 
if it's in not as fortunate countries that have what we have in the United States. So I think that's a great game changer that we're going to continue to see. We're probably going to have you talk about that more later, Jim. Thanks for bringing that up. Of course. I'm now going to move towards one of your wheelhouses in this area. We know that COVID-19 has had a dramatic impact on most people's lives and their communities, the workplace. And it's actually something that you devote a good bit of time to in your book, which has just come out recently, Tech Trends 24-7 and the Impact of COVID-19. You must have known that I was going to ask you about that when you wrote the book. I'm sure that was the case. Can you give us some examples of how you think COVID-19 has had an impact on technology and in turn our lives, our communities, the workplace? Yeah, I think that COVID-19 has been a great accelerator of technology. And as difficult as the pandemic was on so many different levels, there has been great things that have come out of it from a technology standpoint. And I think that when you look at corporations, how they really had to embrace digital transformation. I'll give you an example. One of the examples that we have in the book is Ikea, where they were primarily a bricks and mortar business. I mean, you would go, the Swedish meatballs were great when you walked in, you smelled <laughs> and, you, and then you go and get furniture that was good furniture. And if it was maybe for your college student or whoever it is, it's a great store. But it was a, a very physically interactive. You would drive in your car and you would go there. Yeah. Nobody was going to any stores. They shut their stores down to COVID. They had a completely turn very quickly to become a digital company. So what they did is they had to really change all the processes of their corporation to really make sure that they could digitally, so instead of you going to the store, you could get the same type of experience, not exactly, but their business would continue to be okay during this time, and they did it. So that's just one example, but every corporation really had a change on the dime. The other area was, think about kind of where we are in the workplace today. Jeff, when you're the head of, uh, well, my office is based in New York, and we also have an office in Stanford, Connecticut. And when the pandemic was starting to become an issue, we actually worked in Stanford one day. And then the head of the office said, sorry, we'll close the New York office. We closed the Stanford office. For me, I've always got on the train. I've gone to the commute and go to the office. I'm thinking like, how is this going to work? <laughs> and then, you know, supposedly going to be like a couple of weeks or a month. And it became two years. So COVID has really changed the workplace. And in terms of how do we go forward with the workplace? On the positive side, putting MERV filters in all the office buildings, really looking at, we have an area in the book whereby pre-COVID, there was really kind of a workspaces were being densified. So it was like bench seating. You were very close to the person you were working to. Obviously, that doesn't work in a COVID type of environment. So all corporations had to reimagine their space, not just in terms of how it's going to look, but now they want to make it more kind of an experience because now you want really to collaborate with your employees. And now we've gone to working from five days a week where most corporations are embracing a hybrid work where you're in the office two to three days and you were working remotely the rest of the week. I'd like you to elaborate just a little bit more, Jim, on the impact that COVID has had 
on commercial real estate in a broader sense and technology's role in that? That's a great question. I'll give you an example. So we have a client of ours. They have 132,000 square feet. With that size, it's very large in terms of footprint in Manhattan. They need a lot of time to plan on where that's going to move. COVID hit. They all started thinking, the thinking was we helped them reimagine their space. So they're 132,000, kind of in when we do the project, it could be less than that. It could be half or it could be 60% because for them, they don't need as much space because they're going to embrace a hybrid workplace whereby so you don't really need as much, much office space. So landlords are going to be affected by that. Tenants are going to be affected by that. And then a lot of them don't have the answers and it's taking time for them to, to figure it out, which we've been at the forefront of. But on the technology side, there's been so much money and resources spinning up, expanding your technology footprint to enable you to have a much more nimble workplace globally. And I'll give you an example of there are a lot of companies that say you can pick wherever you want to work in the United States. If you were in uh, you were in San Francisco and you like to move to the Midwest, we'll have you do that. But you need technology to support that. So I, I think that from a traditional standpoint, it's reimagining your office space going forward, and you really have to have the right technology to support your organization because it's completely changed as a result of COVID. Yeah, and that's a really good example, and it it makes me wonder. Just getting back, Jim, to the commercial real estate side. It would almost seem as though, and you'll correct me if I'm wrong, that the businesses that are taking a hit or could take a hit from this are the owners of the buildings, right? The commercial buildings, because now all of a sudden somebody that you know, had 100 and what was it like 32,000 people yeah. or whatever, now they don't need that much square footage. Am I correct? That's almost like a negative impact there. It's going to be challenging. I think you're going to see some. Uh, landlords that are going to be challenged. I think it'll be an asset class that are not the trophy assets throughout the United States and globally or the class A assets. It'll be the class B and class C assets because there's also been during this time a flight to quality. For example, the Grand Central is just one example. Leasing at Grand Central has really taken off during the pandemic and now where we are because everybody wants to be a, a hub and spoke. So if they have their workforce that can work in Manhattan two days a week, or if they want to go to Stanford, Connecticut, they can go through Grand Central. It's something whereby really being near and close to transportation hubs are important. If you're not that, you know, it's going to be a little more challenging. And I think you're going to see that some landlords are going to be challenged over the next couple of years. One interesting thing is that with technology firms like Google and Facebook, they have still had a very strong appetite for real estate in all the major markets. Now, that could help them, but there is going to be some type of challenging environment coming over the next couple of years. Okay, we're going to get into that right now, actually. One of the reasons why we call looking forward, looking forward is because we're looking into the future, obviously. You talk about tech trends in your book. We're now looking out over the next three to five years Nobody knew COVID, so I never ask anybody to think about 10 or 15 years. You're lucky, if yeah. Jim, if you can talk about two or three. What do you see on the horizon 
whether it's in development right now, because you're there, you see all these things happening. What do you see that's being developed or will get even bigger or is just now about to be developed in technology that's going to be changing the way that we live and we work and play and so forth? Okay, I think one, and we have a chapter of the book on this, is transportation as a service, whereby you're looking at taking really kind of autonomous technology, which you know exists in Teslas and, and other, and really making that kind of for public transportation. For example, Google has a uh, division company that's out in Phoenix. And if you and I were having lunch in Phoenix and we wanted to go to a Cardinals game, we could get an autonomous vehicle to pick us up and take us there. So that's one example where they rolled it out where it's been successful. You're going to see more of that. Mm. So if you take autonomous vehicles, that's going to reimagine major cities from the standpoint of that's the case and you don't really need your car to come in. If it's in Chicago or Dallas, Texas or New York, you're going to reposition all those garage assets to real estate assets. So it could be residential real estate. It could be a lot of green space for the top of these garages. So that's really one example how cities are going to be transformed by transportation as a service. If they're all electric, that's very good for sustainability efforts as well. That's one example. Okay. Can you speak of a few others? I'm thinking about, I don't want to tell you because you probably have your own ideas, but I'm just thinking about drone technology. I'm thinking about robotic technology. There's there's so many things out there and some of them haven't even been born yet. What are some other things that you're seeing on the horizon in terms of technology and innovation, how it might improve our lives? There's a very interesting one is that if you followed uh, Elon Musk and SpaceX, he gets a lot of press when he's you know, talking about going to Mars, which is pretty remarkable. To yeah. think, you know, well, let's go to Mars. But the rockets that he's working on, he has another area that what he wants to do is he wants to reimagine transportation globally. And it's really through rockets. So, and making them reusable. So, for example, he's working on, this is probably something that's probably 10 years away, but a, a reusable rocket where you could take a ferry to a, a landing spot. Let's just say it's out in the East River. Take a rocket to Tokyo, and it'd be like, and don't quote me on it. I can get you the exact amount. Would it be like 45 minutes? <laughs> so, but that's, you know, that's something that he's working on. And if there's anybody that you don't want to bet against, he's demonstrated that he's not the one you want. So, you know, think about how that can transform travel globally. And he had a, a great kind of analogy. He said, you know, when airplane travel started globally, it was very expensive. But when they started keep on using airplanes for more and more trips, the price kept on coming down. Same thing with the reusable rockets. Like even what you're seeing that he's sending up to space now, they're coming down and they're landing on a landing site. So you can reuse the rockets for transportation. And that's one of the things he's focusing on. So that's going to be, I think, a, something to keep your eye on that will change. And it'll be a dramatic change to think if you and I if we went on a business trip to Tokyo, if it took us an hour, that would be a pretty good day. Be unbelievable, actually. Well, that's it for this episode of Looking Forward. 
I would highly recommend you join us next week for part two of our two-part series with Jim Quinn. To hear other Looking Forward episodes, please visit www.jeff-ostroff.com. And while you're at it, why not tell a family member or friend about this episode or any of our nearly 100 other Looking Forward episodes? Any one of them will not only point you in the direction of a potential global opportunity, but will also make for a great conversation. Thanks for listening to this episode of Looking Forward. I hope you've enjoyed it and learned something. I also hope that you'll tell others about our show. If you have any comments or ideas for future episodes, please contact me at my website, jeff-ostroff.com. That's J-E-F-F-Ostroff, O-S-T-R-O-F-F dot com. This is Jeff Ostroff inviting you to join us again next time on Looking Forward.